All right. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. This is episode 75. Uh, Sorry, it's been a couple weeks since I last recorded. I was just kind of taking a beat there for a minute, but I am back and I have a lot to talk about today. There's been a ton happening between the NBA and the NFL, so I'm, I'm pumped to get into all of it and pumped to be back recording. Um, I want to start off with just being a little bit angry that Jared Allen was just snubbed from the All-Star game, uh, which is an extreme disappointment. It is a travesty. It is wrong. Uh, it was just, I'm recording this at uh, almost 9 p.m. on on Thursday, so about two hours ago, they announced all the reserves, and I really thought Jared Allen was a shoe in, you know, averaging 16 points per game, 11 rebounds per game. I pretty much thought uh, he had a great chance, honestly, a bigger chance, I thought, than Darius Garland getting in, which huge congrats congrats to Darius. I am so happy for him that he was able to be an all-star reserve this season. So well-deserved, Twenty averaging 20 points per game, eight rebounds or eight assists per game and three rebounds per game. Super awesome season so far. A great young leader on our team. I thought it was interesting, though, when I was watching the NBA TNT programming um, that was announcing the All-Star Reserves. Draymond Green was calling in, and he was so excited when they announced Darius Garland. Probably the biggest reaction he had to anyone that they announced as a reserve. So... Uh, Darius Garland uh, is, uh, you know, has a big fan in in Draymond Green, which is uh, something I, I didn't know. But it feels like guys across the league in general have a ton of respect for Darius Garland. Really, uh, just appreciate the player that he is, especially at his age. And this will be the first of many years for him, I think. And like I said, I'm super disappointed for Jarrett. I, I hope he gets in next year. I hope maybe he could still sneak in this year with an you know an injury of someone who can't play. Maybe he still has a chance of getting in. Uh, but you know, there's only so many spots, so it's tough. But I really I really felt like Jarrett deserved it with the the season he's been having. Um, but we have an All Star, which is amazing. It's the first All Star we've had since. LeBron James was in Cleveland, so that is a big deal, and uh, especially with the All-Star game being in Cleveland this year, I think it's exciting that we get to have one of our own uh, participating. Uh, Also super notable is the Rising Stars game. Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro were both announced the other day uh, as being in the Rising Stars game. Obviously, Evan Mobley as a rookie, Isaac Okoro as a second-year player, Um, and I'm I was almost 100% confident that obviously Evan Mobley was going to make it. He has a great shot at winning, you know, rookie of the year. So of course he was going to make it in the Rising Stars game. But I was super happy for Isaac. Uh, I think he's really grown a lot in the last year, uh, especially defensively what he's done for our team that it is, is so exciting for him. So was happy to see him recognized um, and put into that game. And again, just more guys participating in this stuff on the Cavs when the game is in Cleveland. Couldn't ask for much more. So, uh, congrats to all of them. Starting it off on a positive note, because uh, I got a lot of uh, interesting, some negative stuff to get into in the NFL. So, I just want to start off and talking about the playoffs in general, because um, obviously, since I haven't recorded in a little bit, haven't gotten to talk about the playoffs too much. But uh, truly shocked that the Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl. If you would have told me that even two weeks ago, I would have told you that you're insane. Uh, If you would have told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have 
seriously uh, considered what your mental state was that you were saying something so insane like that. Uh, It is not something most people predicted, but that is the crazy thing about the NFL playoffs is that it is one game and anything can happen. And if you've got a guy like Joe Burrow leading your team who is just unfazed by everything, uh, you can go anywhere. And if you have a kicker, a rookie kicker, and Evan McPherson, who is so unfazed by everything that uh, he, when he was about to kick in the game that took them, uh, to the AFC championship. He said he was going to make it and that he was excited to go to the game before he even kicked it, uh, which is the most confidence I've ever heard out of a kicker in my entire life. Uh, and it makes me really start to consider that maybe the Browns should think about drafting a kicker because, man, if you can have a guy that you can rely on consistently like that, like an Evan McPherson, like a Justin Tucker, uh, that changes a lot of things for your team because so many games are decided on on one score or one play or one kick made or missed. So it's it's really important to find a guy that you can rely on. Uh, and I would love for the Cleveland Browns to be able to find a guy like that. Uh, so who knows what they'll actually do or if there's any. I, I don't follow the kicking world too much, so I don't know who would be the guy that we should go get, but I wonder if that's something we, we start considering because it's really made a difference for the Bengals. Um, and you just in watching the playoffs, all of these games have come down to a final drive, uh, one play at the end to decide what was going to happen, uh, so, and a lot of those being kicks. So I think it's really important to, to have someone you can count on. Uh, but we have the Super Bowl now here coming up, and um, as much as I love Joe Burrow, I cannot bring myself to fully cheer for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, it's just when you're in my division, I just I can't I can't get there. It should be the Browns there, um, and it shouldn't be the Bengals. So I can't, and I don't mean that in how we played this season because we definitely didn't deserve it. But I just. Going into this year, it was supposed to be our time, and to see all these Bengals fans so happy, it hurts me, and I want to be that. I want to have that, and we didn't get to have that, Um, but I am going to pick the Rams for my Super Bowl winner. I just think defensively, they are prepared for the Bengals, Um, and as long as Matt Stafford kind of continues the way he's been playing, um, not making as many mistakes as uh, I thought he might be making at this point, um, he's He's kept it pretty clean for the most part. Obviously, still some blunders here and there, but um, I'm going to take the Rams for this one. But honestly, who knows what can happen, man? It's one game, one game to decide what happens. You you just don't know what, what it could be. So i um, looking forward to watching that. And then this season will be over, which is so insane. Um, it was a great year just of fun football games. Um Obviously, I didn't even get to talk about from uh, my weeks not recording the the Chiefs-Bills game and how exciting that was. I think that was the best football game I've ever watched in my entire life. I was so invested. It was the most spectacular quarterback play, just offensive performances overall that I've ever seen. And it just, it was one of those moments where I was so grateful to just watch football and to to be a part of something like that is it was so cool to watch so as even though the brown season didn't turn out the way i wanted it to turn out obviously uh it was still just it, football is one of those things i could turn on any game and have a good time watching it 
which I don't always feel about other sports, but I could watch any two teams play in the NFL and I would have an absolute blast. So uh, these these playoff games have been a ton of fun for me. Um, so the big thing that I want to get into today uh, after just kind of lightly reviewing the, the Super Bowl there is everything that's going on right now with Brian Flores, because obviously this is kind of the biggest story I think happening in the NFL right now, which is almost overshadowing uh, the Super Bowl that's coming up here. All everyone can talk about is uh, the lawsuit that Brian Flores has filed against the NFL. So um, if you haven't been following this, which I'm sure you have, he is suing the NFL for a couple different things. And the story that has come out is that Number one, uh, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, where Brian Flores was obviously just fired as head coach, uh, he offered Brian Flores $100,000 per loss to tank. And Brian Flores said no because he was there to win. Um, Obviously, the Dolphins have had an interesting couple of seasons. Uh, They've definitely overperformed in a lot of moments. This season, they started off uh, 0-7, I believe, and then they went on to win seven straight games, which was pretty wild, and I think a lot of that has to do with coaching in general. Um, I think Brian Flores is a great coach, um, and I respect that he was told to tank, and he said, no, I'm here to win, and I think he was smart enough to know that if he did tank, he was probably going to get fired because someone always has to take the fall for bad tanking seasons or just bad seasons in general. Um, nobody, you know, the entire front office and coaching staff doesn't stay intact when you have a bad season like that. And he probably knew that if he did do that, he would take the fall. And he said, no, I'm here to win and I'm here to make this team better. And that's what he did. He truly did do that in Miami. And that's why so many people were truly shocked at the end of this season for the Dolphins when he was fired. I don't think anyone saw that coming because uh, I think he helped this team perform better than they should have in a lot of moments. Uh, But the interesting thing that has come out of all of this that of course, brings us back into the Cleveland Browns is the comments that Hugh Jackson has been throwing out there now um, that are incredibly frustrating and, in my opinion, very different than everything Brian Flores is alleging. And it's almost disrespectful for him to be putting this stuff out there right now when I think Brian has a legitimate case uh, against the NFL in a number of ways of things that have been happening to him. Obviously, I didn't even mention the one other thing that happened when Bill Belichick had texted him congratulations on the Giants job before Brian Flores even interviewed for that job. Uh, And that was because Bill Belichick meant to text Brian Dable uh, congratulations on the job, who is now uh, already been announced as the Giants coach. And that pretty much shows you that uh, they had already made the decision on their coaching job before Brian Flores even interviewed, uh, which is a huge issue because that means they were never even considering Brian Flores for the job. They were just bringing him in um, to check a box, which um, is kind of goes into what a lot of people have a problem with um, in the Rooney rule, where teams are a lot of times not even considering some of the black coaches legitimately for the job. They're just bringing them in to check a box um, and then moving on to the rest of the process. And that is become 
very frustrating for a lot of the black coaches because they don't feel like they have been given an honest shot in certain moments that they're just uh, having their time wasted for, you know, this this rule that exists and that the rule is not doing what it is supposed to do. The rule was created to help with diversity and coaching hires, and it has not done that at all. So anyways, going back to what I was saying about Hugh Jackson and how everything that he's saying is completely different uh, than what Brian Flores is saying. Um, Hugh went on Twitter first, and this was how it all started, was Twitter basically alleging that he was also paid to tank. Then last night, Wednesday night, he goes on ESPN and talks in circles for about 15 minutes and backpedals uh, a lot of what was on Twitter um, when he was asked directly, were you paid to tank? Um, he said, it's not as much that I was, you know, paid to lose. It's that I wasn't put in a great position to win. And that was so frustrating to hear because that is completely different than what, what, what Brian Flores is saying is that he was upfront offered money to tank. And he said, no, that is very different than what Hugh Jackson is alleging. And right before I jumped on to record this, I saw that Jimmy Haslam had kind of, um, there was some articles where he was, you know, asked some questions and was giving some statements about what Hugh Jackson is saying. Uh, and I think it's really important to hear this. He said, Hugh Jackson has never, ever accepted any responsibility for our record during that time period. He's been masterful at pointing fingers, but has never accepted any blame. I have accepted a ton of blame and rightfully so. There are a lot of things I could have done better. Hugh has never accepted blame for one thing. And I could not agree more with that statement because I am not saying that during those years of the Cleveland Browns that, you know, the Haslams were 100% perfect and made all of the right choices. Clearly they didn't because we sucked for a really, really long time. But Hugh Jackson was not a good coach. And that is the biggest issue here. Hugh Jackson was 3-36-1 with the Browns. After he was dismissed halfway through the season for the Browns, after going 2-5-1, Greg Williams stepped in and took over, and he went 5-3. So it's not like it was impossible to win games with that roster. That shows you right there that maybe there was a, a Hugh issue that existed too if Greg Williams was able to jump in and have a, a winning record for the remainder of that season. It's really frustrating to have him for so many years now not take a single ounce of responsibility for what went on during those those couple of seasons. And he did it even while he was coaching. He would sit there in his press conferences after games and blame on everyone else, but never be able to say what he could have done better. I know everyone gets mad at, at when Kevin Stefanski in interviews now always says, uh, I got to do better. But man, it's at least nice to hear someone take some accountability when things go wrong, because that is something that Hugh Jackson never, ever, ever did and still continues to not do. With that kind of record, I don't know how he can't take any responsibility for what happened and just say that he was set up for failure and never put in a position to win. They were very upfront with Hugh Jackson about the point we were at in our franchise at that point. We were rebuilding. They were honest with the, the fan base, with the organization, with Hugh Jackson about where we were at at that point in time. We were we didn't have a lot of talent, so there was that. We were trying to find a quarterback, drafting one nearly every year, it felt like, or trying to find a new one nearly every year. 
we were in a rebuilding phase. Uh, and Hugh was aware of that when he took the job. He was aware that it wasn't going to happen overnight. It takes time. Uh, what's happening with the Bengals right now does not happen with everyone where you rebuild you know, in two years and suddenly you're in the Super Bowl. That is not normal. Um, and that's partly because they found a guy in Joe Burrow and we never were able to find a guy during all of those years uh, to lead our team. Uh, but it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And Jimmy and everyone were very honest with Hugh and the whole, like I said, the whole fan base about what we were doing. Uh, so I don't know how Hugh can say that what happened to Brian Flores is the same thing as what happened to him. He's also saying that there was money put into his account at the you know end of the season and he didn't know what it meant but he still can't directly say uh what that money was for he's just assuming it was for losing and for um you know not not winning those games and being able to obviously acquire draft picks because of it but he does not know that and he never asked them about that he cannot say that for sure everything he's putting out there is hypotheticals maybes um assumptions on different things and I think it is putting the story that Brian Flores is telling right now uh, in a in a bad position because I, I, I wouldn't want to be a part of that if I was Brian Flores. I would tell Hugh Jackson to stay far, far away uh, because what he's doing is just going to hurt the argument that Brian Flores is making right now. And look, I am not disagreeing with Hugh Jackson that there's an issue with race in terms of coaching because... There definitely is. Um, I've listened to a lot of black players talk about this who have wanted to go into coaching or have pursued coaching or have been coaches, and they kind of discuss the the feeling that they get uh, when trying to climb that ladder. And what it really comes down to is the owners of the NFL are kind of the ultimate old boys club, uh, which consists mostly of old white men. Uh, and people in the league will tell you the owners do not always hire the best person for the job. They just don't. They hire the guy they want to get a beer with or the guy that reminds them, you know, more of themselves. These are some ego-filled owners, and I'm not saying every single owner is like that, but largely this is what we're looking at, and, you know, they might not even be intentionally doing this, but they are definitely not hiring the best person for the job all the time. Otherwise, Brian Flores would definitely have been hired already in this coaching cycle before this story even had to happen. Um, and you can see it's an obvious issue because, you know, there's an Urban Meyer who gets hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars having zero NFL experience when there's a lot of really qualified black coaches and other coaches who have NFL experience uh, who definitely could have been more qualified for that job, uh, especially more than Urban Meyer was, and that's very clear now. Urban was not ready for the NFL whatsoever, um, and there's a million examples of that in the last couple years of coaches, usually white, who have little to no experience at all or would you know appear to be many, many years off from being ready for a head coaching job getting these offers when it doesn't really make any sense, and then when you walk down the rabbit hole of the connection of that coach and the owner, you realize that there is some type of connection there where they are, you know, friends in the same circles, that sort of thing. And this happens a lot. Uh, so I think that is an issue there. And you could you could translate that to any industry in the world where 
connections and circles mean a lot. Um, and this is just on a grander scale because we all watch it happen. Uh, you, you don't always see it in companies because, you know, we don't watch, you know, just corporate America uh, on that level and have that kind of microscope on it. But it definitely happens everywhere. So, of course, it's also happening uh, in the NFL. It's just um, more transparent for us because we know uh, who is getting hired and what their resume looks like because we see it happen in the NFL. We watch the football games uh, every single week. So I am not doubting that there is an issue that happens. I just think Hugh Jackson's argument does not help (laughs) that argument whatsoever because Hugh Jackson was just a really, really bad coach uh, who has never been able to take accountability He has never been able to answer any of these questions directly. Uh, Like I said, when he was on ESPN yesterday, he could not answer a single question directly. He was just giving a lot of maybes and vague statements and hypotheticals, uh, which makes it really not believable at all what he's saying. It feels like he just wants to throw stuff out there to be relevant and be a part of the story. Uh, And that's where a lot of Browns fans and a lot of people right now are finding themselves frustrated. Uh, So I hope he goes back to not participating in this because we just don't need it. We don't need it anymore. Well, okay. I feel like I uh, (laughs) ranted for a while there, didn't really take a breath, but it's been really frustrating the last the last few days seeing that. And, you know, if there's anything that's going to unite the Browns fan base right now between, you know, the Baker Mayfield conversation and what do we do to fix everything that's going on right now? Uh, it's it's Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson is the one thing that can unite all of us and, and make us all come together for one common cause. So maybe it's a good thing what he's doing, uh, making us all appreciate each other and uh, find some common ground and we'll be able to use it to bounce off into the next season. But uh, maybe that's wishful thinking. Uh, I'll just try to be uh, positive sometimes <laughs> after, after that rant. Okay, but that is all I have for you guys today. Um, I don't know when my next recording will be, but um, we got the Super Bowl coming up, so that's exciting. And we've got NBA All-Star Week coming up and just more of the NBA season to discuss. So looking forward to talking more about all of that um, and just whatever comes to us this offseason. So thank you guys for listening. Um, If you could please leave me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I got my first awful (laughs) one-star rating on Apple Podcasts, I think it was last week, from just a mean, bitter Steelers fan, so that's unfortunate, but uh, not shocking in the least. So I appreciate everyone who uh, left a five-star review to try to offset uh, a bitter, mean person. Uh, So thank you for that, and keep leaving those reviews and ratings. I I do really appreciate it. Um, Hope you guys... If you're in Cleveland, stay safe in this snowstorm. It's pretty brutal out there. Um, I am not leaving my apartment until (laughs) this thing ends, but um, stay safe and I appreciate you guys. Go Browns and, and go Cavs.